0: What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. We are here tonight with episode 378. And we, by that I mean my two co-hosts I'm always joined with, and that is... Ron. And John. (laughs) I want to ask if either of you watched The Artifice Girl real quick before I forget. No, I still didn't watch it. No, not yet. I didn't know if if you speaking like that, John, was a, a... Oh, it was what, like a thing. Something about that. I don't know. Maybe. Don't know. Okay. Just, just on my mind before. Well, now be on. Again. Now I'll be on the uh, lookout for that in the movie. So, so, so we won't be talking started. about that on this episode tonight, <laughs> but maybe soon. We might be trying to get uh, the filmmaker on the podcast if we can make that oh, happen. Man. Yes. Yes. But, um, be really cool. No, be we will be talking. It. What we will be talking about was uh, John's pick for required viewing last week, which was Ganjan Hess. Yes. Um. And then we've got a little bit of a grab bag of some movies that have, most of them have either been in theaters and now come to video on demand or kind of started on video on demand. But um, we've got a slight collection of films. We're going to be talking a little bit about Sisu, which was a theatrical release that's now on demand mm-hmm. um, digitally. Uh, also, there's a new movie out that came out last week called How to Catch a Killer that stars Ben Mendelsohn. And, uh, oh, man, I'm blanking out, blanking out. Help me, somebody. Divergent. Uh dated Aaron Rodgers. Uh somebody. I'm not nobody. Uh, Nobody's helping me. I don't speak wow. Divergent.
1: And I don't speak Aaron Rodgers. Obviously. Uh, do you
0: speak the tri- the movie that I'm talking about? Roger. You you the how to catch a killer. Oh my god. Ben Mendelsohn and she was in Shaylene yes. Woodley. Shailene Woodley. Oh, oh, the oh, wow. the lead of yeah, Divergent. I might have guessed that. that took that took a while. Thank you, yeah, guys. once you said the
2: name, I was like, ah, I know that. Shailene. Shaylene Woodley.
0: Okay, Shaylene so yeah. she's in that as well um and then what else you got uh attack of the sh- doc what, no, what, attack what is of it the called? doc attack of was the
1: name of the documentary It's right. a documentary about the show attack of the show, right. of the, show the, g4. And the g4 channel right um
0: i don't know some other things i'm sure we'll mention did do, 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 does that sound about right guys am i am yeah. i forgetting anything that um, we discussed
1: I, 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 I saw, did you mention how to blow up a pipeline? I mean, you mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. As no, I have seen, not. But no, I finally yeah. saw it. And uh, so I you know, I would probably end up just echoing your thoughts to some extent. But I definitely uh, think that you know, I could say a few words.
0: Okay, cool. cool. We'll, we'll we'll run through that towards the end. Ronan, I'm sure you have a couple things too uh, that you want to bring up. But let's start with the Required View. And John, remind everybody of your choice, why you picked it. And I guess you can jump right into talking about it.
1: Well um this is a movie from 1973 uh written and directed by Bill Gunn who I dug into him a little bit and he seems like a really interesting guy he's written a lot of plays and he really only directed 3 movies before his death um in 1989 one of them is like a lost movie the movie he did before our choice today ganja and hess um was called stop an ironic name for a movie that was essentially shelved by the studio. Um, but it's supposedly, I mean, it sounds like, you know, a pretty interesting movie in that it was a um, intended as a drama involving two couples becoming involved with each other uh, within homosexual and interracial sexual contact alongside surreal undertones. So it actually sounds very much like it would have fit with the style of the movie we're talking about tonight which right. is very surreal and has like socio-political stuff mixed in with sexual stuff mixed in with um you know just a a, a story as well <laughs> that I I I actually was a, a, almost expecting a story I couldn't track as well as I could the story in ganjan has but I do think that the sort of status is like an artistic director and a and a person with ideas that he was working out um, in an experimental way um Bill Gunn seems like a really interesting guy so I might be digging into some of his other screenplays or the movies he wrote uh, and plays in the weeks to come but for for me this was just one of those movies that kept coming up on a specifically on a list of like you know seminal, films from this era the 70s which is which gave us a lot of great uh genre uh, a lot of uh horror movies that are still being kind of felt and reacted to today Mm -hmm. but also the simple fact that it's uh on top of that an early horror film written and directed by a black man was something that you know that's another significant thing that made this film keep popping up on my radar and i realized like i really have i felt like i hadn't done my i hadn't really um Completed my studies, you know, uh, if I was uh, if I was not going to watch this film. So I just was excited to finally check it out. And this feature, to me, I like the way the required viewing can can serve a few different purposes. And one of them is just, yes, that movie that you haven't watched for whatever reason. Now you're going to put it on the calendar and you know you're going to have somebody to talk to about it. So um, this movie was kind of all of that for me. Um, But yeah, I had not seen it. I had maybe felt I had seen more of it than I had. Actually, I don't know that I've seen a a single frame of this movie before I started watching it for this, for this show. And um, yeah, I I mean, I'd heard that it was kind of dreamlike and, and um, a mix of, uh, you know, the sort of filmmaking you might expect from 1973, but also there's a European uh, experimental film almost kind of influence in this. And the fact that it does exist as an, as an art film, um almost more so than a narrative but it definitely has a, a as i said a, a narrative to it uh yeah i i was i didn't know what to expect and i i was kind of continually surprised by this movie what did you guys think ronald I, I know you 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 had heard of this movie before
2: um had yeah, you watched I mean, it no I don't, I don't remember much about it uh i do know that it it confused me a lot like i the dreamlike thing Especially when I was younger, would have I would it would have been unwatchable to me. Like it right. would have been like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I, you know, the artsy thing started when I was like 19, 20. So like I could not imagine sitting down and watching this to completion. And it was just like super hard to figure out what the relationships were sometimes. And like there were just parts where it would just drift off. Like he'd be like,
1: Yes. <laughs> well, what yeah, would happen what? is th- yeah. then a line of dialogue might come up that explains what you've been wondering for 40 minutes you know it's like most films make you wonder things for like five minutes yeah. uh movies like this make you wonder things for 20 minutes to a half hour or something because you're wondering are they ever going to come back to this are they ever going to comment on this how interested in plot is this movie you know you you don't know when you're watching it so yeah ronald i, I agree My, young me would have thought oh I'll, I'll check this out this sounds cool and then have been like oh, I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I get it, you know, <laughs> but I was, I was glad I actually read up on it a little bit. So I, I was able to kind of put together a reasonable facsimile of what, what happens in this movie and and what it all means. But it is, it still leaves a lot of doors open. Um, yeah. I think, I think as an adult, I still had a little trouble following
0: and understanding <laughs> what was happening. Yeah. Uh, I, Yeah. I, I feel like you kind of were, you mentioned it like quickly, John, but just like the the narrative you know like a piece of art versus like an actual narrative of a film i think that's kind of where i kind of fell and i felt like it was probably you know a lot of one not a lot of the other for me like i felt like it was less of a story less of a narrative than just kind of like an exercise and i mean there's some really like interesting cinematography and some you know interesting uh, filmmaking happening in the movie but i mean i think just like ronald even said There was a couple of moments where, you know, I I feel like I started questioning whether I was even really understanding what the relationships were between some of the characters or what I was supposed to track. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I I found it to be like, yeah, I I can probably say like I can appreciate it as like a piece of art or, you know, there's stuff. And and to be honest, like (laughs) I actually started watching the film with a commentary track on by accident and was just kind of pulled into it. And I was like, "Oh wow, this is pretty interesting." And then I turned it off because, like, I probably shouldn't watch it like that. But then I found that watching it with it, I was really enjoying the movie a lot more. Mm. With <laughs> like, I think it was, um, it was, um, it was the director. It was the DP, the person who uh, wrote the score for the film soundtrack. Sam Wayman. Yeah, and there was one other person on the commentary track. Wasn't it ganja? Wasn't it the lady up? It might yeah, it was it was yeah, yeah it was ganja, it was, that's right, as what? Because yeah, I it mistakenly was just,
2: it was, hit it. <laughs> and I was well, like, I, yeah. Oh, this
0: sounds really cool. I, I think like, we watched it in the same spot. Uh and when you hit when I watched it by default, uh, it was our it was playing the commentary uh, track.
2: Okay, yeah. With yeah, it. yeah I was like,
0: Oh wow, this is interesting. And I was yeah. like, I'm gonna turn it off and just watch it as I should. And like for 30 minutes into it, I was like, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. But then I, I found this so much more interesting when I was like listening to any of them talk about right, 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 right. like the filming of it and like the motivation behind some of the scenes. Like there's some sequences, like you know, where there's like four different angles of a slow-mo shot played over and over and over and over again from like, you know, a, a second behind one another, and hearing her speak about that. I found was way more interesting as I was watching it than, mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest with you, than just watching it personally.
1: Well, I mean, wow. I, I kind of had a similar experience yeah. in in terms of like, I stopped about halfway in, not like, Oh, I can't watch this, but I just had to stop. And then in the meantime, I, I was like, curious about some things and i read up on like some of the making of the movie and some of the things behind it and when i came back to watch this i was glad in a sense that yeah, i had yeah. done that because the last half of it i was like so much more locked into what was happening and i would say that like the story is actually very linear in a way like it's maybe so simple that you would consider it less of a narrative because it's like the structure for these for these kind of interludes but the idea is And I think it's actually a pretty cool way to become a vampire. Like, there was one little creepy detail that I thought was cool. This guy's stabbed with this ceremonial dagger, but he's stabbed three times, once for the son, once for the father, and once for the Holy Ghost. And somehow, like, just that, like, that's what is, like, the spell or the the curse that turns him into this undead being who's not a vampire. The word vampire never comes up. They can walk around in the sunshine, but they do need to drink blood, and they do seem to be set up for immortal life. But instantly, you're starting to feel like there's a nightmare quality to this, to this for the characters that they're not quite in control of it. Um, and then there's this whole sideline of the chauffeur, who's a friend of yeah. of of the main guy uh, Hess, is also the preacher who um, performs his wedding to Ganja. But but then later is the person who kind of calls him forth to be saved, and so he sort of rejects the immortality that's been given to him. And I think it's really interesting that the movie ends with spoilers, folks with Ganja, not rejecting the immortality. And in fact, she seems kind of happy that now she's got this uh, young stud who's sort of (laughs) returned from the, from the dead, uh, the way that she did, the way that Hess did. Now she's left with this guy with the
2: ropey penis
1: that jumps (laughs) over the dead body. Well, the guy, and he's the guy who came to dinner that they killed and left in the field. That That was him alive. Yeah. Yeah. so the idea being like hess was but it seemed like he knew he was still alive but i mean it's the same way that they became undeads or vampires or whatever so it seems like maybe there was some acknowledgement of this but i do think it's interesting the way the religion like the movie doesn't draw these easy we've seen a lot of vampire type stories that have religion in them but i thought the movie was kind of interesting the way that it didn't draw any obvious connections between the two and in the end i thought it was interesting how the boldness of this movie i mean this movie gets lumped in with black exploitation but um and i read something that that uh, the director uh, bill gunn said that was interesting he said um uh the critics didn't know what to do with this movie because they had never seen a black man in a mansion with a butler before wow. and a chauffeur wow. and that 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 was where he felt like he was doing something bold not yeah. that he was yeah, necessarily yeah. the boldness of black exploitation are, are are these kind of you know negative stereotypes mixed with things we think of as kind of culturally cool. But he was trying to avoid all of those tropes when he made this movie. And, you know, um, I think I said last time before we watched it, he said the last thing he wanted to do was make a black vampire movie. And it's like, well, you are that's kind of what you're making. But at the same time, when you see this movie, you can see what what he meant by that, I think. That he was like not going to make like even the way the sexuality, this movie's got so much sexuality in it, but it's not filmed the. It's filmed like in an art, in an artistic way. It's not filmed yeah. in a leering way. That that idea of the male gaze is, is kind of missing from a movie that does have some female nudity in it and does have like one really long sex scene in it, um, which they they beat uh, Twilight to having glittery vampires because that was like pretty pretty sure that's <laughs> glitter all over them in that sex scene. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I thought that like um. <clears throat> Those things made it really interesting to me and that's why I think reading up on it and going, "Oh, okay, I can get I'm getting a little bit more of the cultural context of this because critics yeah. at the time, I mean, it's crazy. They would say like as a way of criticizing it that it was black oriented. Yeah, man. And like that's right. all they would say. And it's like, uh, "Oh my god, you know, yeah, that's not man. a good look." Um but the idea that this movie had to overcome people's prejudice against just the idea of why you were seeing black people in a movie, it reminds me of people as recently as like you know, Woody Allen and the Coen brothers and people like that coming under criticism for when they have black people in their movies, it's only cabbies or pimps or, or, or sex workers or whatever. And it's like that as early as 1973, you had a guy who was the whole point of what he was trying to do was to like be revolutionary by just saying, okay, that's not this movie. You know, it's like just by not centering whiteness, you've made a movie that makes white, people or some white people very uncomfortable um but then this is a movie that might make you uncomfortable even if it was a straight story that didn't have some of these these overtones to it because it does it is it like I don't know it there there is some genuinely kind of creepy imagery in it but more so I thought that the the sexuality the vampire addiction analogy was really in the forefront you didn't really feel like there was any demonic evil in this uh in this story um which again i think was part of his point too which was to to, to depict much more of an addiction thing but anyway i I mean obviously i have lots of little thoughts because i did so much research about it but i do think it's an interesting um artifact of its time that also feels like it's connected to things but and maybe influenced some people but it's it's kind of an underground film still to this day like people still talk about it as a movie that you know maybe a lot of people have seen and were influenced by but not a lot of people talk about
2: yeah I'm glad that I watched it. Marlene Clark was like, I fell in love with her. Like I fell in love with this woman on screen. Like she just was super charismatic, and her and uh, Dwayne Jones just had like a a lot of electricity on on the screen. Like I really enjoyed that. I kind of would have just preferred like a like a a rom com or something with them with a rich guy and a and a <laughs> A uh, cross, you know, kind of angry sort of lady who challenges him in a way. Um, I
1: like the way she starts off and she even says at some point that she's she's interested in money and she just goes for like experiences and stuff and yeah. and she asks him those inappropriate questions as a way of kind of probing him and all that stuff over, over their meals and it's like you see later that she really was sizing him up maybe more the whole time. Like she was a little yeah. bit even right. though he kind of brought her unwillingly or half willingly into this world of, of immortal life. I think that like, or immortality. Um, yeah. I think that it's interesting to see that she is like you said, Ronald, she's this kind of brash character that even at her first scene on the phone, she feels like a different energy. And I liked how much their dialogue felt like just people talking. If it, I think that's one thing, even the earlier dialogue scene with his assistant who ends up killing himself. Um, uh, like who's played by Bill Gunn, by the way, the director played that guy who killed himself. Yeah. And uh, so like, I think that it's interesting to see the way that there's this tone being set up that's very thoughtful and somber from the beginning. And then she's, she's like, I like when she's, he said, how will I know who you are when he's picking her up at the airport? And she's like, you can't miss me because I'm that evil.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And then I also like later, she has this great line that I think is almost like the movie's mission statement. She says, uh, everybody is some kind of freak. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think it's cool. It sneaks up on you how much she's more in control or she's at least able to get around the situation in a way maybe that even he isn't. He seems a bit more tormented by this status yeah. where she seems maybe kind of liberated by it. And she at one point said all 69 positions when she's talking about having sex with him. And that's the first time it occurred to me that like I was, you know, 69. I always thought it's based on a positioning and how you look like a six and a nine, but it never yeah. occurred to me that there were 68 positions before you got to 69. Great. It's
0: great timing.
1: Yeah. they Really planned that. They planned
0: that one out. Well, right. yeah. Yeah. I'm looking into, like I was reading, like I said, listening to the commentary was really insightful. And I think I'm um, looking into some of it after watching the movie, like you mentioned some of it already, John, but the thing I found most interesting was like the idea, you know, this movie having it had its premiere can, and then, you know, it went on and did not have box office success. You know, like you said, I think on last week's episode, it was kind of like you know, production companies were trying to capitalize on movies that were, you know, a part of the that phase of the exploitation films. And it's specifically, they, they talk about um, what's it called Blackula, like apparently it's one of the biggest films like of that year prior, mm-hmm. but that this movie didn't find an audience and it didn't it didn't perform and everything and that they recut the film, like, at that point, you know, right. and they cut, you know, I think it was either 35 or 45 minutes of the movie.
1: It goes from and, an hour, almost an hour, like, maybe 152 or fifty-three, from to, like, a 78-minute-long movie. So, yeah, right, they cut. Right,
0: right. It's, like, crazy. a crazy chunk. Um, Yeah, and, like, you know, at, at that point, I think Gunn, you know, I think it, after I was reading, like, he kind of disowned the film and kind of was not supporting the movie at that point. Um, But in years, you know, in recent years you know, it's it's kind of especially found in an audience and kind of cemented this kind of cult classic status that it has. But, um, you know, and there are more versions of it available now, like the one I'm talking about that had this, you know, commentary track and things like that, like that. Maybe you got it from somewhere, Ronald, but um, it's, just, it's just so interesting, like how the movie can go from like the motivations behind the movie from what yeah. you can read, you know, to what it, doesn't succeed and then they still try to capitalize on the era by cutting so much of the movie into a different movie that even the filmmaker the writer and even those involved with it were like completely you know disconnected from it at that point point. and then you know decades later it's like reassembled and it's it's really kind of found an audience and uh kind of gotten i guess more the appreciation the attention that you know i don't know maybe audiences just weren't ready for at that time. i don't know you know it's just it's, a, it's an it's an interesting like timeline you know it's yeah, it one is. of those stories and we've watched some movies even on this section of our show in recent weeks where like you hear about the cuts of movies happening and like you know uh filmmakers like removing themselves from the film and it's just it's just so wild that like as time uh you know goes on that some of these films in their in their original version find an audience and and in some cases the version that does get chopped up or cut or whatever um like the one you that one that you picked that we watched with uh Matt Owl, um that would a be the leaf. opposite side you know where people were like oh the cut version actually is the better film right um mm. it just kind of goes two different directions sometimes but i don't know that really stood out to me you know that, that's a pretty drastic cut well by um, all
1: accounts the shorter version is a <clears throat> schlockier movie you know right, um right and i i there was one interesting thing that i read that said that um I think the financiers were, uh, I don't know if they were European or something, but basically they (laughs) had other projects on their plate. And so he had an unusual amount of freedom uh, when he was making the movie. Making the movie, yeah. To like change the script. Like they got really bought, they really bought into the script that he wrote. And then he was able to make a different movie in a sense, based on just what was happening and the way he wanted to go that that day, you know, when he was shooting, because he didn't have this oversight of these producers. Um, so I think that's a factor. One other thing I did want to mention before we left it, there's just <laughs> brushing te- brushing your teeth with the bathwater of the tub you're in is one of the yeah. most disgusting <laughs> things I've ever seen. Oh, my God. That
0: <laughs> um, was gross.
1: Uh, but I wanted to just mention the religious aspect of this. There are some images of like a um a tribal figure with like a headdress going through a field yeah, that right. I believe are supposed to be this, uh, and I, I've, you know, the Murthian tribe, I think, yes. is what they call them. Like, I, I've been looking into this. I can't tell if this is a piece of folklore or a tribe that they that they used as fodder for the movie or something he completely invented. But I just wanted to state, I really think it's cool how this movie resets your idea of, like, the source of the magic, even though that it's got the Trinity mentioned in this, you know, stabbing once for the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. But I love that the source of the magic is not, the christian i mean it's not the usual iconography even though there's tons of christian iconography in this film i like that it suggests this other origin of the of of the the magic the the force whatever and that at one point like it's just just, i mean i guess i've heard this before but maybe never put this bluntly but the cross being referred to as an implement of torture um is just I mean it is. It is. That's why they would kill someone on a cross is yeah. because it's a torturous way to die. But like just hearing it mentioned that way is such an outside the over, like the judeo-christian culture that we're used to the way we talk about the cross is always or at least as a christian but in modern culture the way the cross is referred to is always as this symbol through you know the jesus or whatever but to like reset your thinking of it and say that like if you weren't like holding yourself to christian ideals and you're just looking at it from the outside it's an implement of torture that is like you stand in the shadow of it when you're in a church you know and that is sort of an interesting i don't know maybe not totally outside view of christianity but I, i thought it was really cool how the movie gave you all that and then like at the end when when hess has been redeemed or seemingly He's in the shadow of the cross, but it's a redemptive moment for him, um, and it's a moment that she doesn't have to go in. She doesn't have to do that. Like there's not like someone throwing holy water on her, making her make the quote unquote right choice. The movie doesn't present it as like a right choice. It almost presents it as like he's too weak to handle immortality, yeah. <laughs> and so he goes for redemption. I don't know. It's I just I just wanted to say I think those religious themes are something that might make the movie. Interesting on top of some, I, I will say, I, I really thought the dialogue scenes were, um, were really engaging. Like there were some moments, it's very unpolished acting in this, but there yeah. was something that felt very, I don't know. I, I I always leaned in when two characters were talking. It, it felt like, you know, in the middle of all this uh, artistic filmmaking and, you uh, you know religious imagery it was like really weirdly grounded in a in a like you said Ronald you could almost do the straight movie about this relationship and it mm-hmm. and it would work um so yeah i'm i'm very glad i saw it me too, me too so so, so i have a suggestion since uh and this is right on the middle of the show so we can edit around this if we have to but since we are now at the end of one of the cycles of uh of re- required viewing. And there's something we've been wanting to do. We've been wanting to do a bracket episode. And if you're listening to the show, you don't know what that is yet, but we'll we'll figure out exactly what that means. But I was thinking maybe we'll take for the next episode a break from required viewing so we can devote it to this bracket idea. And then tier list, also- Tier list. Tier and, list. Tier list, right. Tier list. But also- um, uh uh, that allows us you know you can you can go ahead and say what your choice is i think ronald you're the first one in the the rotation so you can say what your next required viewing choice is but it'll be a few weeks before we get to it because next week maybe we'll do a tier list episode and then the week after that i think we're doing we're having a little break we'll be silent for one week and then we'll be back the week after that so maybe that it'll be like two weeks hence that we'll be back or or three weeks hence that we'll be back with a new cycle of required viewing I can say what the movie is? Yeah, you get to say it, but people have a long time to watch it. So if you give us a long movie, that, <laughs> that's I was trying okay. To think,
2: I was trying to think of something that I wanted to see that maybe I heard one of you guys mention or something that I didn't get a chance to see. Vesper.
0: Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Did both of you see it?
0: No. I, I haven't seen it, but
1: I've I not either. It.
2: Okay, I, I've heard so many things about this movie. Never saw it. All right, let's do Vesper. And I I, I hear about it at a time, um, so what is it on that's how <laughs> a british
1: guy says vespa
0: <laughs>
1: yeah
2: how gotta give my Vespa. yeah um
0: so yeah it looks like it's well it's on demand like yeah know, a couple of like it's just on, on demand. amazon prime yeah amc plus but i don't know if that's um, included with that but uh it might be on there um so, so hold on so the calendar. So next week we have an episode and the week after that is where we're skipping. So this yes. won't be until right the 4th, uh, the 16th of June. Yes. Okay. Dang. That'll be our next episode. It gives episode. you plenty that, of time. a regular to episode. Move. Yes.
2: So you can technically save a dollar a week.
0: Yeah. Save up and, the $3. <laughs> and then watch it
2: like a day <laughs> the week. before. Yeah. yeah the week of. Before, yeah. The week of. And you'll have, you know, you'll have some money to get it, to rent it. Yeah, I'm excited about this. For the price one. of
1: it, a cup of coffee, you can yeah. <laughs> join this required viewing experience with us. I'm
2: throwing some the the newest genre to to come into the whole the infant the baby yeah, the infant of genre sci-fi, which you guys <laughs> just recently introduced me to. That's, That's interesting, Ronald. Well, I,
1: I have an uh, I have my little short list of uh, required viewing ideas, and one of those is one of those for me where it's like really? a very recent movie that I just felt like oh i didn't watch it and now yeah. i can and i can yeah. make you guys talk to me about it so
2: for <laughs> good things i'm like man let's let's knock this one out
0: yeah let's do it oh cool. no i love uh eddie marsan and he's in that he's i think that's where is it that came a small
2: across- man is that the smaller man with the kind of crazy face
0: a little yeah yeah he was in ray <laughs> do- he's in ray donovan yes 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 yeah he's the bro- one of the brothers oh, yeah, um man. Yeah, I don't know. It was on like a list of his like, uh, uh yeah, that's how it first crossed my radar. It was like, mm. it was on some recent thing, like people movies you haven't seen. And they were mentioning how, you know, if you're a fan of his that he's in, I think, I don't know if he plays the father or something. Okay. Of gotcha.
1: yeah, I love him too. Uh,
0: Yeah, cool. I'm happy to watch that. I've, I've cool. actually have it on my IMDb watch list. So I'll be able to check one of them off.
2: Cool, cool, cool.
0: <clears throat> um... All right, so I guess, so if we're going to do a tier list next week, should we talk about what the tier list is, or? Well, I had yeah, a thought. we haven't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I had a thought, because I don't know, I, I still don't know if this would work for one, but I think this could work for one. Um, since Barry and Succession are both ending this weekend, you could do HBO shows.
2: Okay. Mm. H- like, period? The whole? A tier list of HBO shows. Fuck. That's a go. that's a crazy one. Cause
1: I, I was like, is there enough there? And then I thought, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, man. there's enough there. <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> there's almost too much. It,
0: it's too much there. I guess you'd have to, we'd have to either have the list and we're just kind of. So normally like the tier list that I'm thinking about is, you know, you have basically an S tier and then A through, you know, D or A through F, whatever. But like, basically, you know, the title comes up and we move it in and this would be yeah. good for the the YouTube portion of the podcast uh you know you we would actually can move the graphic into uh you know whatever we vote the show to be and we and would we go- pick them we would pick them individually we, w- we would rank them individually uh-huh. and then there'd be an average for like the movie movie placement we're going so, as
2: far back as Arless. like what that's what I'm far- saying
0: like if if it's something as large as like the HBO series yeah you would either have to define like a period You'd have to have, you know, you'd say we're going to have these 10 shows or whatever, and we would rank them mm-hmm. or it'd be more something like, you know, uh, something more. Another option would be something like doing a tier list of the Mission Impossible films or of the DCU or the MCU or, you know, uh you know what i'm saying or like the halloween franchise like it's just where it's a finite amount of mm. of entries that we could could, we could you
1: do like post sopranos i mean would that would that help i know that doesn't help too that could, much but that, would,
0: that would narrow it down i though. mean definitely yeah it definitely Quite narrows it down
1: because that's like um, the era of prestige television that's like yeah. the era of hbo being like this crazy because there was world. still a ton of shows before spread. yeah
0: yeah I'm not. I mean, I'm not opposed to that idea. I think we just got to know for sure what what yeah. they are, and that, and that and that there's not too many that it's going to be a three-hour podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we could also <laughs> like find some way. What I was thinking was, is there a way to like eliminate a lot of things early, like somehow end up with a top twelve or like. T- pull an american idol mm-hmm. start with like you know start with like 50 finalists and then end up with 12 in like one step you know what i mean maybe, like that, that there's got to be some way to do what that.
2: about the last 10 years what if we do 2013 to 2023 and then maybe we it's could fun. go before that before that for the next one i mean but we See, to me it, that
1: knocks out too much of the interesting mix of like your deadwoods and your and your game of thrones and your succession you know i mean like to me it knocks out too much stuff but i i do think there's got to be some way to to get the list that we're ranking down there's got to be some way to do it quickly it's well we'll figure it out anyway that was just a thought yeah yeah and we could just we could
0: just run the pod and just have the idea and that's that's the idea you know we don't have to announce it necessarily but we can we'll iron out those details and hopefully have a nice tier list next week as a special one-off kind of experiment. Cause I do think it would be something cool to do. And especially the idea initially, when I mentioned it was just the idea of like, when we, when we get into these properties that come along that have, you know, it's a franchise or we could group it along with something. And especially in cases like where we're not able to see the movie beforehand, things like that, just to be a little more timely and talking about stuff in the genre or stuff in the franchise, the tier list even if it was like an, a shorter version of it in the same episode would be cool to just kind of have as a new you know like a new segment on the show yeah where listeners can get an idea of where we and the show you know fall on that franchise or on that you know whatever group yeah. of things uh, like if we do the hbo thing like just like kind of where we fall on that period of hbo or that selection of hbo's titles
1: what but, if we? Um, what if we all agree on like a list of twelve? We'll find some way to agree on like yeah. the shows that are in contention for best show ever that are HBO shows. You know what I mean? Like because there are those shows. There is yeah. like we could figure the, out the,
0: on, the only the only risk of that if we're going with our the best shows is that we're probably not going to have many placed uh, C, D, and F tier. Um... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we could be oceans apart on where we feel about those best shows.
1: I but. feel like I could create an F tier, even if I'm saying I like all these things, there's still an F tier. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's still a a lowest <laughs> tier. If, so if there's, you a take... wor-
0: there's a world in where that one of the top 12 uh, shows that we would pick would be in an F because of, uh,
1: in terms of tier, like it still is the worst of the best. you know what I mean? It's the still worst be the, of bottom the, the, the bottom twelve, the bottom of the top of the twelve.
0: Okay, as uh, okay. Tom said to Greg on Succession. <clears throat> Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, this is cool. Like yeah. we, we'll iron it out. We'll figure out what to do, but that'll be something coming up on the podcast. Like, yes. and I think we'll we'll kind of it'll be it'll be something we kind of learn as we go. But I think it'll be kind of fun mm-hmm. beyond just talking about a franchise in general, which we've done many times um or watching along to certain things i think it'd be fun to actually like each of us say this is a S, this is a b this is a d yeah, yeah. be like okay well for the show that's a b you know that hits that sits in the b tier yeah. and like you know you don't have to have something in every letter but ideally in a lot of cases like you want to kind of limit what you have as the s tier like you have like one or two you know like you kind of have like the unanimous thing as like the king of the castle in there
1: or
0: so the queen, the All right, cool. Well, we'll figure that out for next week. Yes. But for this episode, as we move right. along, mm. uh, I think we've all did, did. You watch Sisu, Ronald? Yeah. Okay, cool. I was, I was making sure I, I didn't Shit, see it. On, yeah. I, I didn't see it on the thread, but I mentioned Sisu a few weeks back when I was mm. fortunate enough to see it in its in its theatrical run. Actually, the, the mm-hmm. weekend that it came out. And I was really happy that it, fin- it, it, it finally, I say finally, just two weeks later, it comes out know. on video on demand. <laughs> uh, and it's like, it, it's just like, yeah, you guys can finally check it out. Um, I already said a lot about what I thought about this show, this uh, movie in general. I thought it was awesome. I really liked it. I told you both so, uh, so much as, you know, the action and just the way it was shot and just kind of like how of lean and I don't want to say mean but just like you know it has this aggressive nature to it that I I, I kind of liked especially in yeah. the story that the movie was telling but I don't know what did what did you guys think of sisu uh what Ronald where, why don't you start man since you brought it up most recently
2: um you know I it, I I knew that it was one of those kind of sneaky movies that for the informed just people were raving about it so All I had in my head was that it was a revenge story of some sort and I was ready. There were some Nazis, but what I got was something that felt a lot more like. Emotional, a lot more like Sisu, the character just had a lot behind those eyes. And then some of the things he did for some of the characters really showed that. There's something a little more going on with them. Like, regardless of what it, you know, it wasn't said beyond, you know, what what he did prior to um being where he was, where, where, when you find him in the story. But that was one of the coolest things in the world. And I I I don't know how you could say this without sounding like crazy, but I like the Nazis in it. They were just so like evil in a way that I was like, man, these guys gotta go. It didn't stop, <laughs> you know, and and the, the 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 I'd never seen something that kind of took on this narrative where basically like the Nazis has got had gotten chased out and this was the last hurrah. This was the most evil that they could be before they got kicked out of the country. You know, it was like really cool. Um The sound of this movie blew my fucking mind. Like I wasn't mentally prepared for how it was going. I mean, and the fact that this is like. You know, this is like a, a PVID version of the sound, which typically is like not. I, I'm there's there's a there's there's this term that they use Mickey Mouse mix online, which is basically like all the Disney Plus stuff is kind of crappy. You know, for and it's for big movies with explosions and stuff, and it and you don't hear what you're seeing on the screen. You'll typically watch something, you're like, this doesn't sound like the thing that's happening on the screen. With Sisu. Every little crunch on the ground, every you hear everything. And I don't know how they did it, Mm -hmm. that it sounded so like full for something, you know, so small that they had the sound design. But this was. Between the story and the sound, one of the better movies that I've seen in the past, like couple years, I I loved it. It And it's one of those movies I feel like I could turn on. At any point, I could rewatch this movie. Because the the Nazi stuff doesn't get too heavy, but you know how evil they are. And it's just straight violence. And that's what I want sometimes. So (laughs) I I loved it. I thought it was so good. What would you think, John?
1: I mean, I guess I'm sort of in the same uh, boat that you both are. I thought it was... I mean, I feel like this is a very enjoyable movie and especially knowing that people have enjoyed john wick and they've enjoyed um <clears throat> even nobody uh i'm trying to think of other movies that kind of hit this model of like just watching somebody Bond. go in and, and hmm? atomic blonde Atomic blonde yeah Oh, I, I, I knew that was one that i wasn't thinking of uh, yeah. but like that idea of like we're going to present somebody who's just capable and they're gonna they're just gonna like you're not really worried about them at the same time you have yeah. to put them up against things that like so the injuries have to be gross and the, the extremes to which they're punished have to be really strong extremes, you know. But the yeah. right, the feeling of like the fun parts of this movie where the comedy is really working because it's very funny. I mean, it's a it's yeah. got a lot of action comedy elements to it. Um is yeah like, those moments where it's a new set piece of, like, how is he going to decimate these Nazis? There's a scene in a minefield (laughs) that is like that, where it's just, send one more in, send another guy in, send another guy in, and then there's one in the water where he's, he's, I mean, okay, skip ahead ten seconds, folks, just because I want to say this, he's he's slitting Nazis' throats, and then drinking, I mean, then getting air from their bodies as they bleed out into the water. And so we see, like, a it happens to like two or three guys in in a succession and we're watching him do that. And we're watching the guys on the shore, like, and the, the, the main guy uh, keeps sending in another guy, like just pointing. I don't know. There was some really good, like yeah. the fact that he doesn't speak for the, Barely, most of the yeah. movie. And then like, the, other characters have a little bits of dialogue in certain scenes, but most of the scenes, um, you know, I mean, it reminded me of a movie like uh, the movie I was trying to think of a second ago, The Raid, where it's just like mm. you get into a situation and the situation has its own momentum to it and you're yeah. just there. And so that's the story is, well, he's got to get from here to here or he's got to fight through all these guys to get to that. Or you add the little element of revenge in this Um you know the one thing that i was really worried about him having to get revenge for is not the thing i was very glad there's one thing that doesn't happen in this movie yeah um and it made me very happy because there's very cute little fellow running around in this this movie that i (laughs) I was so glad didn't didn't uh didn't get killed um but in in general i think that the um the fun of this movie is what you take from it i mean it almost feels like what if sam raimi made a world war ii movie like this or something it had that element of like visual inventiveness mixed in with I, and you say the nazis like they keep them kind of that you know you don't get into like the holocaust stuff but right, you do right. have like a truck full of women that they're obviously yes uh sexually abusing that's it's horrific and i do feel like the movie kind of throws that in and it's one of those like it's almost a little it almost breaks the tone a little bit because it's so unsettling but luckily they don't lean on that too much yeah Well, this really reminded me of uh, though was a Mad Max movie. It just because of the simplicity of the setup and the just here's a guy who's got no real life outside of fighting to live, and it's just yeah. I I, and I kept I looked to see if I know this actor from other things, and I really don't think I do. But he he was really strong. um, And there's one scene where you see him like. In fact, there's a Nazi that he's he's injured who's watching him like cauterize his wounds and and create a staple to staple up a slit in his side and his skin his flesh is just so torn and 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 he's so gnarled and and scarred and it's just so gruesome but there is a weird kind of you know like lightness is the wrong word but you've said it ronald there's a there's a there's a kind of fun aspect to this movie that um um i think people are gonna have a good time with I, i do think there's a couple of moments that play as a little goofy compared to the tone of the movie and it's like where the movie pushes those things but those mov- those moments are very very short and they don't they don't lean it's the movie it, they don't stick around too long when, when the movie kind of over over stretches its tone um uh, for me but no i thought it was uh like what you said ronald too that it seems like the kind of movie you could just watch again and just have on again i mean li- like 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 the first john wick it's kind of lean and mean what is it 90 minutes
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like right at 90 minutes. So,
1: yeah.
2: Um, I love the the head Nazi Axel Henny who was in that movie, The Trip, that we watched. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was last year. He just... Him reacting to every cruel act that Sisu did was so funny. That gag that they did with the bodies was, was killing me. Where they'd like... It was like the guys in the front that were kind of
1: Oh, uh, everything oh Where it's like, like the guys in the back who don't know what's happening ours? up front, and every time they pass by one of these bodies on the road, <laughs> what, he says, "Is, is that, that one ours? of ours?" And then yeah. the next one is like, "Is that in the name?" No, that yeah. I, I'm not. Th- yeah, that was great. Oh, that, God, was that was so, so
2: good, man. It's just that that sort of, and it works. Like some a lot of that stuff works, but you're right. Tonally, there's obviously some things that get a little like, um, what's that director? Uh, the the Jew Hunter on um.
0: Eli, Eli, Ross. Eli Roth. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah it felt very Eli roth uh at times, but it is one hell of a, a ride. And I really, I, I'm glad you said something about it and i'm glad you got to see it in the theater I, I bet it was insane watching the theater it
0: was awesome yeah and it was like i saw him in the dolby house too so oh, it, like you nice. mentioned the sound the sound definitely stands out in those theaters especially yeah. you,
1: you know the scene where i really noticed the sound was when he's coming at the tanks and he's got the shields and the bullets are going off But yeah. there's also you're hearing yes. like the ricocheting bullets off the shield yes. and you're also hearing it almost reminds me of like um uh, a student in my class wrote a paper about the sound of sorry, Saving Private Ryan, and I've been kind of digging into that. But just that all those little different sounds of bullets hitting the grounds and different different kinds of bullets yeah. hitting, it, it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just like such a cool moment. But that's the scene where I really noticed like, oh, this yeah. sound is doing something very atmospheric. Um, Whoever, and then the score occasionally would be like rock music, but yeah, it, it yeah. didn't seem anachronistic. Most of the movie, it didn't feel like it was trying to uh, to overdo that that idea.
2: Whoever mixed this thing, man, like it's it's set up for all sorts of setups, and I think that that's what I'm talking about. When I talk about like a movie with good sound, yeah. I'm not talking about necessarily having a home theater set up, like something that's good enough to sound good on a, a
1: sound bar or or even a TV. Like yeah. that's good. That, like Steve's was, got the sound bar, right, Steve? Yeah ronald you've got like yeah, a full yeah. theater setup in your home <laughs> yep. and yeah, i yeah. have a crappy lg television with speakers on it that i that are fine for me so yeah, it's like but... three levels we all thought this movie sounded good yeah. oh and actually you saw it in the theater though steve but did you did, rewatch yeah. it by any I chance did. yeah i oh, did oh,
0: watch okay. it last week
1: okay. yeah i really yeah. like
0: this one uh, it's definitely it's definitely a standout uh so far for me i mean it's also like i mentioned it before I feel like the filmmaker is also a kind of a standout. Cause I feel like, you know, this is a movie that was made for like $6 million. Wow. And, you know, that's kind of crazy when you consider like a lot of the action and the way they shot some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it looks, it, this looks really good. Like, I feel like the, the, the effects and the action and the, 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 the deaths, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, like you mentioned the mind stuff, like that's, that shit looked amazing
2: it did and
0: um yeah i don't know i'm <laughs> curious what this guy does what this guy does next because i don't know it, it feels like one of those things where you know the movie, a movie like that that's gotten attention um you know it's well he made did rare
1: exports as well and yeah i remember that some attention yeah, so he yeah you know, this is and i would so say that yeah, was the also look, a
0: while ago though the,
1: but you're right steve the look and feel of this movie the stylization of the violence there's the, really the first real kill we get where the guys, I mean, that scene is so great, where you just know these guys are not going to, you don't know how bad it's going to get before he starts fighting back. But when he starts fighting back in the first scene, I loved how he decimates that that, uh, that group that's got him at gunpoint. But the knife yeah. through the head, the first the real head. kill, it's just, I mean, I hate to say it's like beautiful, but it's like so <laughs> cool yeah. the way it's shot. And it's such a, like, I mean, you know, you can kind of see the seams of the effects occasionally. And it's a little mix of CGI with, with practical i guess but i thought it was just really clever and it's got that it's you know it's not quite all the way to like Zack snyder levels of stylized violence but it does have that it's like good use of slow-mo good use of when they move the camera around and do something interesting it really does keep you Guessing, and there's a couple of shots that I just noticed were beautiful. Like there's one shot where he's in the foreground, scrounging around to get his gold off the ground, with the tank and like the mist, like through or through the smoke or the fog, the tank shows up, and there's like guys, they're all hanging out on top of the tank, and they all look kind of cool. I mean, it's like one of those moments where you go, everything about this shot was like styled to the to the absolute nth degree, and yet it works within the world of the movie, and that kind of stuff is just that's where you want to rewatch a movie, Ronald, is when it's like somehow this. movie being a gritty fun kind of silly right. action movie it's got like cinematic grandeur to it and, yeah. and that's not yeah. something you you know you can't always get that six million dollar
2: accomplishment that thing looked like 30 40 million Easily, like it, it right? looked, yeah. i
1: mean look great
2: golly yeah
0: they're
2: gonna they're gonna pluck him for and, something bigger yeah and you're
0: talking like about like yeah you're talking like, like, you're yeah. like yeah you're talking like you're yeah, yeah you, you, you have the mind sequence you have the you have the water sequence that john mentioned you know, you have uh, the on the road tank bike thing that's yeah. going on. The, the airplane, scene. the hanging oh I mean, scene, all, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the hanging scene. You know, like yeah. There's just a, there's a lot of there's a lot of setups in this, and I just I yeah, it's just it's just really impressive.
1: I thought, yeah. Um, but yeah. So also, yeah, Steve, all, I love a movie that has a title that you you know when you know when someone would say it, but they don't say it. Yeah 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 like there's the beginning <laughs> of the movie we get the explanation of sisu it's a state of determination that comes yeah. when all hope is lost and then later in the movie the girl is kind of doing the the um I've heard in screenwriting terms this is uh, called the the praise of the killer where it's like you have somebody talk up, up the how how badass the guy is there's a few conversations but there's a scene where she's talking about like well in finland we have a word that's untranslatable for this thing this quality that he has and so we know the whole time it's sisu but she doesn't say it i like i like when a movie like makes you think they're about to do the they said the name in the movie thing and then they don't do it but your mind is (laughs) filling it in for them you know so i thought that was really cool
2: felt tarantino-y that part felt very like
0: the chapter breaks kind of felt like they were
1: reaching for tarantino too
2: for sure for sure Loved it, man.
0: Good, good, good. Yeah, Thank well, that's you on, so it's much. on. It's on demand at home. So if anybody's listening, it sounds interesting. If you haven't caught it yet, definitely, it's definitely one to watch. Uh, and it's on demand, so you can watch it at your house. Um, and it knows
1: when to end too. Like I love oh, the little yeah. ending yeah, I mean, moment.
0: Ninety, yeah, like you said, like ninety minutes. Like just, it's such a good watch. Um, yeah. what's next? Who wants to? Who wants to mention? Uh, anything? I guess. I guess moving into just like a bunch of other things that we watched. How to watched. catch a
1: killer or whatever or to yeah, catch a yeah How to,
0: Did either of you watch that?
1: No, I did not. not but, I, but I'm very curious. I'm going to watch it though.
0: Um, it's okay. I mean, like it, it's kind of one of those things where I feel like the material just kind of lets down this pretty good cast that's that's in this movie. Uh, Specifically, like I love Ben Mendelsohn. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, and awesome. really, he's the reason I wanted to watch the movie. Um, and it's funny because Ronald, you sent the you sent the uh, trailer to the for this like a while back. Yeah, a while back. And like, none of us knew it existed. It, it takes place in Baltimore, even though there's no way in hell it was shot in Baltimore. <laughs> at least, at least the principal photography wasn't. Right, right. Um, I think it's probably shot in Canada or something, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting idea. It's, it's very kind of uh, unsettling, just like, you know, this, any kind of scenario where the, you know, they're tracking on a serial killer, especially like one, the movie starts off with a pretty jarring sequence in terms of uh, mass casualties, Um, involving a sniper which this area has known in in recent history um, which was a very scary time for the whole you know dc baltimore area but um the dc extended universe
1: is what we call that yeah yeah exactly (laughs) of course
0: but i don't know it's just one of these things where like you know you have a great actor ben Mendelssohn, and a very good actress shailene woodley who i don't know that she's really kind of found a place since you know She had that run a little bit ago, and she was on Big Little Lies, and um, I don't know, not much since then. But
1: What was the first uh, movie I saw her in with Miles Teller? I can't believe it came out. Spectacular Now. Spectacular
0: Now. Yeah. Mm.
1: I really liked that movie. Great movie.
0: Oh, it's great. I love that movie. Uh, But yeah, I love these kind of like Catch a Killer movies, you know? And literally, Mm. it's called How to Catch a Killer, so it was like, I'm in. Um, But... Just a really, it's a really kind of. You like catching killers? Weak, weak, you don't want them out there. Yeah, I was like, got to get them off the streets. Yeah, <laughs> oh, sounds him. like a good
1: idea. <laughs>
0: yeah, what a what a novel idea. Uh, <laughs> just a very bad script. I mean, it's kind of really so cliche and just kind of like clumsy and a bunch of plot holes and things like that. And the other, oh, the other guy that's in it, the, the dude who is the voice of the Green Knight. That's all I refer to him as. Oh the Ra- God, with the crazy voice! Oh yeah, Innis Ralph Innis or something like that is his Yeah, name yeah. Who's in- the witch? He, right. He, he was, was yes. in
1: uh, Game of Thrones too. He was.
0: Yes, in the and Game of Thrones, he was also in something else recently. It's a crazy uh, voice.
1: He was the he voice of. Oh
0: my God! What did I? I just watched something else with him recently. Oh, um, The Pope's Exorcist. He was. Okay, voice on my list of things. He was the voice of the demon in that. Yeah, perfect
1: yeah That's i know so absolutely
0: yeah no he he's really good in, in it um but it's just a movie it's just i mean you can see why this movie was going straight to demand like it's one of those very middle of the road i mean this movie's on netflix it's in the top 10 i'm telling you right now yeah, like it has, you know yeah, it, it's one yeah. of these things that just it's got enough going that it's watchable and it's not like bad bad it's not like horrible yeah. because it is kind of elevated by you know some really great actors and actresses, but. Um personally I was like, I want to see Baltimore. And it's like there's some aerial shots of the harbor and things like that, but it's like nothing else looks like Baltimore or, or acts sounds, whatever. No, no uh-huh. real distinction. So is there. Ben
1: Mendelssohn doing a Baltimore accent or is he doing a British no, accent? No.
0: no, no, he's just doing uh, his American mm-hmm. accent.
1: Oof.
0: Um and even like the Ralph Ines guy, the guy the green knight, the yeah. the the voice, even him, like he's got like he's American in the in the show or in the movie but it bleeds so bad. Like it, his British accent comes through so heavily Dang. Um, in it. It's just one of those. Yeah. Those accents are weird, but uh, this, this is, I mean, this is on demand. So like, you know, it's a, it's a wait for it for me, I guess on our scale, but I mean, you've already waited cause it never had a shot. So if it's there, um, <laughs> right. you, you might want to check it out. If you like, you know, the kind of procedural, you know, police, like putting together the clues and, you know, and that kind of thing. But it, it for the for someone like Ben Mendelsohn to be in this movie, who I again I love and like, I feel like he's one of the best actors out there right now. Right. And I've loved him since one of my previous required viewing picks, uh, Animal right. Kingdom. But like, I just I will watch anything he does, at I don't, I, don't, you know, I don't care the, the, to the extent that he's involved with it. But he's one of the leads in this, so I was a little let down that the the the, the, the kind of the dialogue and the screenplay and even some of the filmmaking um, just kind of lets. Both him and Shailene down, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's on demand. It's okay. It's a. It's a, probably like a. It's a two and a half out of four it's star movie right. for me. It's something, something in that ballpark. But okay, uh, that's how to catch a killer. What else?
1: Um, well, how to catch a killer to how to blow up a pipeline. I'll just come and say, a few oh yeah, about yeah. That since I I finally saw this. You, 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 you recommended it basically to us a, a couple of weeks back because you you had a good time with it. Um, and i would yeah i i would second your uh point of view on this this was a really like i mean i i looked to see how it was being described and it's described as uh an environment environmentalist action thriller um and that's what it is and it's like those two things seem like they wouldn't Everyone go together, together. Yeah. like you yeah. almost associate an environmentalist film or a film with that theme as having like a uh a, a homework kind of feel to it um and I'm not saying this movie doesn't make you grapple with some interesting, deep ideas. But the way this movie proceeds, like right from the opening moments, it's throwing you into the middle of this plan these these this group has. I mean, essentially, some people would call them activists. Some people would call them terrorists. Um, uh, and, you know, you you find out as they go kind of what the what their plan is, what their specific plan is. But it's a little bit of a procedural of, I mean, the title how to blow up a pipeline is kind of, (laughs) it's not quite how to, there's actually a point where someone in the film is in like an underground bookstore and they're reading a book and we don't, I don't know if we know what the name of the book is, but the person walks up to him and says, uh, the book doesn't actually tell you how to do it. Um, and you kind of are thinking, oh, they're reading some kind of environmentalist book or some kind of activism like
2: anarchist book cookbook.
1: That might be called, but like, I mean the book right. might as well be called How to Blow Up a Pipeline and they're they're reading right. a book that's and I think it's based on a book. Um, the movie is. So it made me think, oh, is that like a little meta comment on the book that the that's got that name isn't mm. actually a how to? But anyway, my point is just. The way the characters come together it feels very of the moment you know I mean it's just like the these this group of characters they're young and the actors are sort of relatively unknown um uh I, I recognize uh the guy who played Ethan I think I think I've seen him in something before <laughs> oh no the guy who played Logan um uh, uh I'm looking now oh he was an American Vandal white Lotus oh, okay so no wonder I recognize him um but anyway, oh, Lu- the- Lucas, Lucas Gage. Yeah. Yeah. And I may actually recognize he's the one that went viral
0: during the pandemic when like that director like was a dick to him in the, the video audition. Do you remember that video? No. He was like auditioning for a, a part. I don't know if it ever came out what movie or show it was for, but like he was he was on a Zoom audition and the director was thought he was muted and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah talking like crazy shit about him no. or about how like poor his apartment looked and all this stuff. Oh, oh it, it was brutal. But yeah, since then though, he's like kind of sort of come into it. Cause yeah, he was on white Lotus and he's got this, he's got a couple things going right now, but yeah, that's, that's that I recognized him from that whole viral thing during the earlier days of the pandemic.
1: Wow. Well, my point just being that this is a cast of characters that feel like, it feels very legit when you don't necessarily associate the actors with a bunch of specific roles. Right. Um, and so it added to the sense that I was kind of eavesdropping uh, uh, as well as watching a, 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 you know, a reasonably exciting movie that, you know, you, you, you kind of blandly stand with the point of what they're doing, even if you don't get into the specifics of, of it, uh, you know, the, the movie's kind <clears throat> of scant on that stuff, except it's more about the propulsiveness of the moment and, you know, trying to do each little step of their scheme and, and how they kind of survive or don't, or, or, you know, who makes it out and who gets caught and all that kind of stuff. And there, right. yeah, it's, it's, uh, so it's a little bit of like a crime story and a movie with a message. And, um, just the fact that it is a small movie that tries to create some of those, some of those big moments. Um, in fact, I didn't look to see how small this movie actually is, but, um, uh, the budget is not listed. But um, anyway, uh, uh, very lean and interesting, and and well well done. And I, you know, if, if if it sounds a little dry, um, this is not that movie. This is not that movie that makes you feel like you're you're watching somebody who turned an editorial into a into a film. It actually does feel like it's trying to hit the needs of being a movie first, and then it actually happens to kind of link up to ideas of sort of, I guess, the question of like how far would you go uh, for your beliefs, or how far would you go to make a stand. Um, you know, to the point of doing something criminal as these characters right. do. Wow. Yeah.
2: Cool. Um, I wanted to talk about uh something I think that Steve's also gonna talk about. Um and it is in the in the uh eve of Max and its rollout. Um there was a Cool docu series, limited docu series that came out. and That's the Smartless um, mm. show. I've only watched the first one, but I'm in. Oh, uh, yes, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, in. So uh, maybe I should talk about Max at also too. So I'm a, I'm a Discovery Plus owner. I mean, I have it. Uh, Aaron loves her 90 Day Fiance and whatnot, and you know. Discovery and, and and HBO Max have fused. They have run into each other full speed to create Max, which is a jumbled clusterfuck. And for the first like 10 hours or so, most people aren't able to sign in. But once you get in, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of the same in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of upgrades. A lot of things like Lovecraft Country has gotten a 4K update. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, 4k update it's crazy like it's it they are they're incentivizing kind of stepping up to this new service things are in better quality i saw sex in the city got a little bit of a bump as well um but smartless is just a a great podcast for anybody that maybe started listening to it during lockdown and you know it's kind of this thing that felt like a little bit of a hobby and 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 a way to get away from the craziness of the pandemic for The the three people involved kind of became this
1: huge
2: thing, and they they started. Did you say who they are? Did I don't know. Uh, Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes and and um, deep voice guy Will Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Um, and they're an unlikely group. I mean, Sean obviously being the (laughs) the more artsy of them, and they all create this cool dynamic that's that's just nothing more amazing than hearing will and jason argue though like they just rip each other apart but um the dc the dc uh leg of the tour is the first episode and it's just really fun to see them interact um and even take in for them this 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 new version of fame that kind of comes like podcasts resonate with people in a very different way because you're like in their ears yeah you know you're driving with them you know so it feels a little different so it's crazy they're responsible for some of the best tv content to ever come on and and yet this this podcast is putting them in place where they they never thought they'd ever be so It's fun. It's it's a really fun experience.
1: Well, they also have just in terms of the podcast. I'm not sure what the show's doing with this, but like they're one of those things. It's kind of like the Conan O'Brien effect of like, oh, oh yeah, he can get anybody. Oh no (laughs) shit, he's Conan O'Brien. They they have that element. I mean, they like on the show they kind of surprise each other with a with a with a guest. But that idea of okay, yeah, between the three of those guys, they can probably get just about anybody in entertainment and even from other areas. Um, to come and be on so it's like that's the other aspect of it is if you're a podcast listener uh, po- the big names kind of only go to other big names now that everybody with a big name has a podcast 100%. there's plenty yeah. of places for 100%. big names to go so they never have to uh you know slum it with the hoi polloi they can they can stay <laughs> with other uh, other uh, rich and famous people so yeah. i think there's this interesting thing of it's like i, I shake my fist at those podcasts, those really well done podcasts by famous people who get in at the at the at the deep end of the pool because they're you know they're yeah. famous already. <laughs> yeah, 100%. but but it, it does make for a really cool experience because you can hear some of those people that um, you know just in a comfortable conversation that you might not normally get to hear. So yeah, hundred percent. Do they have and guests so, on the show? I haven't, I haven't looked into the shows. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they yeah, it's, it.
2: it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. It's the, the tour has starts off with Will Ferrell. So like, it's oh, awesome. Like, I think I did what, see what that. What kind of standard does that set for the other cities that they go yeah. to?
0: No, um, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they, good. they get a little bit into, I, I've watched the whole series. Uh, it just binged it like oh, cool, cool, really cool. quickly. Um, yeah, I love the podcast. Um, mm-hmm i've really been listening to it since they pretty much launched it and it's really interesting they touch a bit a bit of it on the series in terms of like you know and and they've talked about on the podcast but just like kind of where the podcast started initially being something that will was going to start a podcast during the pandemic to kind of talk about his sobriety and like you know the the kind of journey he's been on like you know what he's gone through and just, you know, for people to, to, to relate to and just to kind of open up a bit. And he talked to Jason about it. Then Jason talked to Sean. And, you know, it, 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 it evolved into what it is. But um, the great thing, if you're a fan of their, doc, of their podcast, is that, you know, this element of the, the, the series really focuses on the, just the three of them and less focus on like who these special guests were for this mm-hmm. tour you know, the special guests for the tour were are kind of more like just like the icing on the cake or like a little, little side treat or something. The series that max launched this, I think it's six episodes um, is really, yeah. Just kind of traveling around on these dates or these cities that they did uh, for this tour uh, last year, or was it 22? I guess it was 2022. Um, but really kind of just like having time with them off camera, even though they're being filmed, obviously, but I mean, like off recording the podcast and like to kind of see how they are amongst one another to see how it's not all, you know, like laughs and fun. Like there's definitely some dramatic moments, um, disagreements, um, you know, just a lot more insight into who these guys are as people, um, beyond what we think of them, you know, as podcast hosts or actors or comedians or, um, musicians you know Sean is just yeah you know, that's one thing too that comes off on the pot the podcast and the show but like he it's crazy how talented Sean Hayes is like he's so talented. Um, like, he, like he, he's literally on Broadway right now like you know and his, his show that they've talked about on the podcast so much um, you know he's just incredibly talented. And I think the show spends a lot of time kind of really kind of delving into their relationships with one another as one-offs and then you know the, kind of how the three of them come together. But the mm-hmm. series is great. It's directed by Sam Jones. You know, the m- okay. majority of the Secondary. series is in, yeah, is in black and white. Um, but it is kind of cool seeing them go across the country. And, you know, these guys who are used to being on film sets or, you know, in theatrical runs and things like that with the the grind, but then, you know, kind of the three of them coming together with the different ways that they work or that the ways that they thrive or the ways that they prefer things, which they know about one another, but seeing them have to do that in the same hotel room you know night in and night out for this run of tour dates i think is really kind of fun and funny um and it's just yeah it, it's a great add-on if you love the podcast even if you don't like the pot it, it could be a gateway to the podcast right you yeah. know it's cool to see it on max um i really wish i would have went to the dc show i was like so close to going um especially i was regretting it once i saw that yeah it starts off with will ferrell um as their guests for that show. But I um, mean, yeah, they had some amazing people. Um, yeah. Like Conan and uh, AOC, Bradley Cooper, uh, just, just a really cool rundown of people um, as the special guests for those, those dates. But yeah, it's just a really, I, I love the behind the curtain stuff, you know, like, and that's what works so well about that podcast is like their guests are incredible. Yes. Yes. But it's also just like, I love just seeing and hearing and listening to like three friends who individually I really like and appreciate and respect as entertainers who are also really genuinely like best friends, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's just really cool to get even more of that insight and that access um, in the series. And it's just, it is kind of bonkers how huge that podcast is, you know, it's kind yeah. of kind of took what like you know armchair expert did and it's Mm -hmm. doing it in on possibly an even larger level um than than what that show is but um yeah it was it's a really cool series i definitely recommend it yeah all all the all six episodes are uh now available on max um i think that was and i I think that's what i had listed out for the episode today um was there anything else you guys wanted to mention you mentioned um, the max platonic have bit. you guys checked out oh, platonic I, I didn't watch it yet no, no. go up for that uh the first three episodes are out okay 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 no um, i haven't watched so
2: maybe yet. i could just talk about those i mean this yeah. show is like i i love what apple tv's doing apple tv plus is doing it's kind of these these they're going for a prestige thing. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a show that kind of tackled this sweet spot after you turn 35, 36 and, and over when you, you kind of have these relationships with people, especially if you're, you know, you, you, you are creative. Uh, you, You kind of leave with people of all shapes and sizes and sexes and you know, a platonic relationship with somebody of the opposite sex and how you may need them later on. Like, it's just weird how, you know, I've I've had those relationships where, like, you may not talk to somebody for five years and then one day (laughs) something comes up, like, you know, you saw somebody from, you know, a time where you were a little more outside (laughs) and um, you guys connect again. And there's something really cool about. It. I, I don't. I've never seen a show that really captures that, um, and how they can kind of bring up a side of you that you haven't been able to access for a really long time. And um, Seth, uh, Seth, I'm not gonna say Seth Green. Well, fuck, like Seth, Seth, Seth Rogan and Rose Byrne are just electric. You know, it's just pretty incredible. And um, her husband, Luke McFarland. I don't know what he's doing in it, but he he really is kind of absorbing. For every piece of crazy energy that these two have, he's the opposite of that. And he really is doing something in this show. Um, along with everybody at Seth, uh, Will, Will is the character's name, Seth Rogen's character. His brewery that he runs, his friends and the connection between everybody and the history of the friendship kind of unfolds each episode you figure out a piece and why somebody mm-hmm. why somebody's there or what they represent and their connection to his past in her past and it's just a really funny show that has a lot of heart and um well they have such gonna...
1: great chemistry they from, do, from neighbors i remember like that's really when she kind of appeared on i mean i'd seen her in things before but that was Ever since neighbors, I've mm. really been excited whenever Rose Byrne pops up in something. So her and Seth Rogan doing the, something again. I feel like that, yeah, that was the hook. I mean, obviously, that is the hook of the show, but I'm saying that's all I needed yeah. to know that I I want to check it out. So
2: it's it's fun, man. Like it may not have like the the most critical acclaim, but it's it's a fun show. I mean, there's a reason why these guys work. I mean, it's just a in an yeah, you and
0: And you have the, the writer director from neighbors doing this too. Nick Stoller. Mm, Right. right. Okay.
2: That makes sense. Or at
0: least so far of the, what they've released, he's done, I think three or four of the episodes that they've released production credits on, but it's cool. Yeah. Like that pairing is just great. And yeah, we've talked about before, just how great they are and how funny and underrated Rose Byrne is as a comedic actress. And yeah, she's, she's, she's a, she's a, the, the best part of any comedy that she's in really. Yeah. Um, i can't wait to watch this yeah three episodes are available now on apple tv and sadly no one's heard of the show like no one. i right. mentioned it to you to to try to get us access to it uh because of the way we have to get the apple screeners now and like no one knew what it was like it, it randomly came up on like a chart that i was reading and i'm just yeah. like what seth rogan rose yeah. burn nick stoller <laughs> what 10 episodes <laughs> How am I gonna? What and it's like, oh, yeah, it's available and you can watch it
1: <laughs> it's half like, hour, oh. half hour or hour, Ronald? Episodes
2: between a half an hour and like 40 minutes. Okay, I th- you know, I think they're pretty short. Um, let me just check so I don't tell you something wrong because I'm like, it's like right in front of me. Um, sorry, it's loading. Uh, yeah, half an hour. Okay. Half an hour episodes.
1: I, I, I was kind of hoping for some reason it felt like it should be a half hour show. Yeah.
2: A hundred percent.
1: But I could see them, you know, getting an hour out of it, but certain uh, for something to feel like a comedy, sometimes briskness is part of the, <laughs> yeah. part of the appeal. Um, yeah. I
0: can't wait to watch that. <sighs> And yet again, another show on Apple TV that no one knows about another, another
2: yeah. banger that they just
0: did, did you guys watch any of Silo, which I mentioned no, last week. No, no, but I it's I cannot like... wait to start yeah. on that. Um, okay. Same. Yeah. I cannot the, wait the, to start the, on the that. new episode that yeah, episode four was really good. Um that um was...
2: I have a friend that just stopped watching it because he mm-hmm. he so into it. That he wants to like. He wants to binge it. He wants to binge it. once wants to, to, to wait. wait to one. So it's binge. like bothering. He's like, it's, it's like lost. It is. It is. It is. Wrong,
0: wrong. it is.
2: Oh, my he's, God, man. Like it's not ta- wrong. If you, you can't wait. Lost, yeah. I'm yeah. in there like swimwear. I will be yeah. watching it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's girls. accurate. I, I said the same thing last week. It, it definitely has a lost vibe for sure. Cool, man.
1: I'm excited. <sighs> All right. Uh, John, anything else you want to mention? I mean, I saw Attack of the Dock, but I think we're running wrong. Oh, right. So uh, okay. we can talk about that some other day or never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. Neville. Let's talk about it
2: next week. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Moviesmovie.com is the website you can find uh a link there to get to any podcast platform. You'd like to subscribe to the podcast on if you're not already subscribed, which we all hope you are. Um, But movie schmovie is also on YouTube. Like I mentioned earlier. Um, And you might want to go there and subscribe. If this uh, tier list idea sounds interesting to you, because I'm sure Ronald, He's going to spend the next seven days figuring out how to make a graphic that is interactive and dynamic for that yes. podcast episode. And Absolutely. and Ronald, go ahead
1: and get ready for Halloween. <laughs> uh, if we do a tear <laughs> episode for horror films, we can call it Tears for Fears. There it is. It is. Oh, there it is. Ooh. Cue that up. Head Ronald. over
2: Heels is one of my favorite songs of all time.
1: It really gets better every time. Like it does, man. For some reason, in the eighties, I didn't really take, I didn't think about them. But now, whenever I hear one of their songs, it's like, holy shit, this is like huge sounding. You right. Know? Right. <laughs> Uh, that's at
0: youtube.com slash Movies Podcast if you want to subscribe hit that bell because uh, it'll be interesting next week for sure I can guarantee yeah. that um, but uh, thank you so much for listening uh, we'll talk to you next week and as always you made our day thanks Bye.